Hello. Hi, Miss Lester. How are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? I'm great. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Illuminate Stories. I'm very, very uh, lucky to have you as a guest. Thank you for having me. Um, so just uh, we're going to be really informal, and I just have a couple questions to ask you just about where you came from. Like, what's your story, really? What's your background? And and uh, if you could just elaborate a little bit more on that. Sure. So my name is Audrey Lester, and I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. I'm born and raised in Detroit and attended Detroit Public Schools. Um, I graduated in 2002 from Cody High School. Uh, after graduation, I moved to Washington, D.C. to attend Howard University for undergrad. I have a Bachelor's of Science in Education. And following that, I did two years in AmeriCorps as an AmeriCorps VISTA Fellow here in D.C. Oh, wow. Before going to graduate school at the Catholic University of America, where I earned a Master's in Clinical Social Work. Wow. <laughs> You've been in school for a long time. I know. <laughs> so that you said that you were um that I mean you're from the Detroit area. Um you did you spend your summers at the Detroit Greater Agency for the the, the Greater Detroit Agency for the Blind and Visually Impaired? So I did spend some summers with them. Um, during that time, they also used to run some activities during the school year, like on spring break, in addition to like the summer enrichment programs that they that they also right. ran. And, yeah. So I I've known them for several years, probably my whole life, pretty much. So what types of um, so right now um, the Greater Detroit Agency has like a two week camp. Um, set aside for um, middle school kids and then two-week camp set aside for high school kids. And basically they just take them through like just life skills that you need to know if you're visually impaired or blind. Um, they take them around the city. Did you do something similar to that as a, as a, um, um, when, during, when you were there? Well, you guys are really fortunate. They've only been running the program like the structure that you guys have now, they've probably only been running that program for about 10 years, maybe a little more, maybe about 15 years. So oh. when I was growing up, it wasn't quite that way. But we did use um, the kitchen. We did do a lot of, like, independent living skills around right. um, navigating the home, navigating the kitchen, um, navigating, like, mobility skills, navigating your community. Right. So we did do some of those things. It just wasn't structured quite like the program you guys have now. Exactly. So, like, uh, a lot of people don't realize that when you're blind and visually impaired that you really need to have someone that teaches you these skills. And a lot of these kids which are coming from these inner-city homes, they don't have this opportunity and this agency is really providing them a platform where they can really learn these life skills. Um, and a lot of people just don't think about blind and visually impaired people in that way. Like, like, do you have any, I mean, do you feel the same way? I do feel the same way, but now that I've lived in other places and have done some traveling, I would say it's not really unique to inner city schools as much as it's unique to the society that we live in. Um, if 
people have not had personal experiences with people who are blind and visually impaired, which the average person hasn't, they just don't know. You know, they genuinely don't know. And then when children are born into their families, they don't know how how to help them be as independent as possible because they're functioning off the stereotypes of what, you know, they perceive blindness to be. So I would say our society really benefits from having resources such as Greater Detroit Agency for the Blind where both parents and children can be educated on on these independent living opportunities. So obviously now you're an adult and you're working in corporate America, but you what do you have to um, say? Um, I have many discussions with various people from the agency that technology nowadays is it's a wonderful thing, but especially for people who are blind and visually impaired, it becomes very difficult to use, and social media especially, um, and some people are being left behind. So what do you really have to say to that as well? I don't know. I think my perception will be a little different. I think it depends on, like, what areas of technology that we are talking about because I I guess I will have the opposite perspective. I think that technology has made living as a person with a disability far more accessible than it did in my childhood, which would have been the 90s. So technology has come a long way. Um, The use of iPhones, the use of voiceover, um, the use of, um, uh, uh, oh, my goodness, the the use of, like, the there's, like, this pen where you swipe it across labels. I can't think of the name of it right now, but it'll read the label aloud to you. Yes, it's like a barcode scanner. QR scanners. Yes. Yes, and people are able to use, like, color detectors on their phones. They're able to use money identifiers on their phones. I mean, back when I was coming up, which, which, like, oddly enough, feels so long ago now that I'm talking to you and you're in high school, Mm -hmm. but you used to buy all of these things separate. And the challenge then was that people needed these resources, but they couldn't afford to buy each one separately. Hello. Hi, Ms. Lyle. Hello. Sorry about that. Um, so we're back live, and we were just talking about the impact of technology. Um, if you'd just like to finish what you were saying before. Sure. So I think we were touching on social media. And, right. And um, my, my perspective is that we'll, there will probably always be some areas where people with visual impairments will face challenges, but – I believe that in time with technology and with self-advocacy and advocacy groups that even those things that we thought we'd never be able to do that someday we actually will have access to. Do you think that there's just a public, like there's a lack of public awareness about sometimes the challenges that um, sometimes with being blind and visually impaired like just daily life challenges um, or do you think there's like just a lack of education or do you think there's just like um, a lack of awareness? What do you, what do you believe? I believe it's a combination of both. Um, I believe that, you know, when you look at the number of people in any given city who are visually impaired and then, you know, in comparison to the number of people who are not, 
uh, visually impaired or who do not have disabilities, and then you combine that with how often people with visually impairments are active in their communities, um, it becomes mm-hmm. it becomes a challenge for people to be educated, for people to have exposure. So I, I think it's a combination of both awareness and education. Uh, personally, I believe in like the each one teach one philosophy. So when mm-hmm. I meet people in my community who are interested in offering to help me, you know, I make it a practice to show them, well, let me hold your arm or describe this or describe, you know, this situation or, you know right. what I mean? Like I kind of right. guide them on how they can best help me because I believe that by teaching them, they'll then teach somebody else, you know, right. so that the information starts to travel. Exactly. Um, great, great insight into that. So, I mean, obviously you went to, um, you studied a lot. You've attended Howard University and Catholic University. Um, would you just like to elaborate a little bit, a little bit more on your college experience and what were some of, um, the things that you learned and meaningful lessons and some challenges being, um, visually impaired while in college? Sure. So both of those, um, each of those experiences were completely different. My experience at Howard um, was the total opposite of what I experienced at Catholic. While they both had departments that support people with disabilities, it goes back to the point you were making earlier about education and awareness. You know, it's, it's really not enough for a college to say, oh, we have an office of staff and we call it the, you know, disability support center or the, you know, disability resource center if the staff don't have the the education that they need to truly be able to support students. Um, My challenge at Howard was was exactly that in that Howard doesn't get enough people passing through the university with visual impairments and they really Mm -hmm. were not equipped to support me. So I would say my takeaway from that experience is that as a visually impaired person or as a person with a disability, you really have to take ownership in, like, having your own resources and being prepared to make your own accommodations. So for me, what that looked like was that, you know, I had a laptop and a scanner where I could scan my own textbooks. You know, Mm -hmm. as tedious as that was, um, I often had to do that. And I used recorders to record class lectures. I went and talked individually with each one of my professors to tell them what I needed and how they could best help me to navigate the coursework. Um, So I essentially was my best advocate. And uh, as a person with a disability, like, people will always, always need that skill, um, once right. I got to Catholic, they were ready. Catholic was completely ready. They, The first day I walked in and told them what textbooks I needed, they probably, like out of the 10 books I needed, they probably already had six already wow. converted into, audio, um, into a text format that I could use, you know, with OpenBook or Microsoft Word or wow. any word processing software. So Catholic was completely um completely prepared and they had over the years developed strategies to um to be able to accommodate textbooks and including like they offer 
textbook conversion, like as a work study program for for students to be able to earn money. Um, wow. Part of like the accessibility team, yeah. It was it was highly impressive. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what did you exactly study in college, and how did you did you like change majors, and uh, how how did you how did you go about that process? Um. So, I guess like all young people, I went to college thinking that I wanted to be a teacher. So, my <laughs> undergraduate degree is in education. My um, concentration was human development, children and adolescents. Um, so that was what I studied. I didn't change majors, but what I did do was I took my time. So it takes right. the average person four years to matriculate through college. So mm-hmm. it took me five years. So on the mm-hmm. semesters where they recommended that you carry more than 15 credits, I would only carry 15 credits. Mm-hmm. Um that was my personal preference, knowing that, you know, I provided a lot of my own accommodations and I had to do a lot of the legwork and advocacy myself. So right. I knew, you know, I had to be aware of, like, what I could handle uh, in in my coursework. Right. Yeah. Wow. Very impressive. So um, since then you've been in D.C. Um, I mean, how are you liking it there? DC is the best place to live. It, <laughs> I'm a little biased, but um, what I love about DC most as a visually impaired person is that everything is completely accessible. It's a very pedestrian friendly city. Uh, most right. people who live in the city do not drive. Um, right. So, public transportation, we have um, five six subway lines that will take you all throughout D.C. and into the uh, metropolitan area. Wow. And our buses run on like a G- – all of our buses have a GPS system, so you can go onto the app that you download on your phone, and you can see how many minutes away the bus is from your bus stop. Oh, wow. Yeah, so no, not many people who live in the city drive. It's just – it's really no need to drive it's is so accessible. Wow. Uh, so now you're, I mean, you're obviously now you're working in um, the corporate field and you're working in D.C., so you're working for um, the District of Columbia government. Is that correct? That's correct. So what exactly are you doing um, specifically um, in the government? So I am a service coordinator and what that means is that I support a caseload of 30 adults who live with intellectual and developmental disabilities, and I manage the services that they receive from the government through Medicaid waiver. Okay. So how, how long how long have you been, uh, been how long have you been a service coordinator, and what are some of the the, the challenges, and like how has it been so far? Uh, So I've been a service coordinator for five years. I am the first legally blind or in in the blind category. I'm the first blind service coordinator in the agency's history. Wow. And it is, it's had its challenges. Um, I'm responsible for, like, monitoring the services that clients receive. I do a Mm -hmm. lot of home visits and 
what we call day program visits. I go to court. I go to hospitals. Um, so I'm constantly moving around the city. In the beginning, right. you really um, the the most important thing that you can do is like create a schedule so that you're able to keep track of like all the responsibilities because you have right. multiple responsibilities for each of your 30 cases. Um, mm-hmm. So just time management and um, I guess it go it also goes back to advocacy, like communicating to everybody mm-hmm. on my teams what I need and how they can best support me. So for each each person on my caseload, I am the manager of the interdisciplinary team that supports them. So right. I'll go to a meeting and there will be, you know, two lawyers, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, some residential staff, some day program staff. I mean, I can have up to 12 pe- people in a meeting <laughs> and I'm responsible for facilitating all of those people and the job that, you know, ensuring that the job that they do supports the services that the person needs. Wow. Very impressive. Very impressive. Thank you. Um, so now I just have a couple questions left. Um, first um, first of all, what what advice do you have to kids who are visually impaired and or um, kids that are coming out of the city of Detroit and really want to just make something um, happen for their lives and really want to achieve their goals. So what advice do you have for them? So the advice that I would give to you all is to know what it is that you need, to know what it is that you need and to be able to explain that to other people. Um, knowing what you need could include, like, you know, you being able to talk to your rehab counselor about what software you need or what devices you need. Mm-hmm. It also involves being, like, flexible and being creative, being able to think outside the box. you got to always think outside the box because no one else is going to understand what you need specifically. You know, the, the interesting thing about blindness is each person's story and each person's amount of vision is different. So... You know, even what I need might be different from what you need. And so, like, it becomes our responsibility to be able to articulate what those things are and how people Definitely. can help us. That's that's wonderful advice, really. And it, can, and it, and it relates back up to your, your um, comments before about how you really need to just clearly articulate what you want and what you need and be your own advocate. And I think the other piece of advice I would give is that um, I would say don't don't be afraid to be the first. So there are a lot of perks that come along with being the first at something. Mm-hmm. You know, for instance, like you get to set the bar for what mm-hmm. people with disabilities or visual impairments can can do and what they can achieve. You have the opportunity to educate people in your environment. Those people will then Mm -hmm. go out and educate other people. And you really become a trailblazer, you know. Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid um, to be the first. Don't be afraid to try new things. Mm -hmm. And um, don't allow... Never allow your disability to distract you from your desire, you know. Right. So if you want to achieve something, if you have dreams and goals, find a way to 
navigate our society such that you're able to enjoy those things so that you're able to achieve what it is you set out to do. Right, definitely. Wonderful advice, you know, and I feel like it's it's something that a lot of people are afraid of just being the first to do something or being a trailblazer and just that 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 that's the key, that's the first step to really making sure that you get what you want and you set the standard. Um definitely. Can I get one more piece of advice? Sure, go for it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, these are sort of coming to me, you know, as as we're having this conversation. But um, the the last piece of advice is there's the old saying that it takes a village to raise a child. And right. it also takes a village to support an adult. So, <laughs> so I think it's really important for people to stay connected to um, people who understand their their life experiences. Always have a support people. Always have that person that you could call during hard times, that person right. that understands your stress and frustration, um, and that, that person that won't feel that doesn't feel bad for you. You know, they believe right. that you can do it and they're in your life to help you identify um new ways or help you to think about things differently so that you continue to be motivated. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um another great piece of advice, so always need someone to lean on sometimes. Um Right. Right. My my last question for you today is um this is the most important question in my opinion. Um so basically for illuminate um for every person that we interview we always ask this one question. Um, what is okay. one word that describes you? Just one word. And the reason for this is because we take this word and we put it on our T-shirts and our wristbands and we sell all of these things um, on our website. And all the, wow. we get, all the proceeds that we get goes back to the agency. And so my question to you is what's one word that describes you? So I'm juggling two words in my head, but I'm going to use or one word empo- that describes. Uh, I'm sorry, one word that describes um what what you what motivates you, what inspires you, and what you think kids should um embody is what, like kids should look up to and aspire to be. It, it, it's any of those questions. Okay. Um. I'm nervous that I'm I'm gonna pick a word that you guys have already used. <laughs> no, so it's, yeah, we have empathy taken, and we have uh, grow taken, and we have adventure taken. So, oh, I didn't have any of those words. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with empowered. Empowered, and why? Why do you say so? I I have a lot of self motivation and self determination. I also I I take risks that that remind me that I am resilient, that I am able to achieve and and I also, you know, I have a great support system. And so I'm empowered by all of these things. I know that I am my best advocate and so right. those, you know, and I have such like a desire and a drive to achieve things 
that are on my to-do list. And so I'm empowered by all of those things. I I believe that having a disability is my purpose. And so right. I'm empowered by my disability. I I know that it is I know that it is, is part of what defines me. Right. Right. Wow. Well, uh I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk to me um, and be part of this Illuminate Stories organization. Um, I mean, you're an amazing person. You're a role model for a lot of people. Um, and Miss Collin had a lot to say about you, so I really appreciate you um, speaking to me today. Um, I'll, I'll be I'll be sending an email out to you um, today just with a couple questions and a couple forms for you to sign um, but I just wanted to say that this was a very, very great interview, and I enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, uh, I hope you have I hope you have a great rest of the day, and it was a pleasure. Um, definitely, and look out for my email. Same to you. I will. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.